Two coaches who were heavily influenced by their fathers. Two leaders who've become father figures for their players. Two idealists who insist on a brand of thrilling football without fear or compromise. Two shrewd operators who won't tolerate stupid questions from media people like me. Above all, two men who seem to simply live and breathe football. Saturday brings together Ange Postacoglu and Jurgen Klopp as Tottenham take on Liverpool. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Talking of shrewd operators, I have my top tipping team with me once again, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, both teams have made unbeaten starts to the season. They've played some excellent football so far. So how do we begin to separate them as we look to, at uh, how to bet on this game? Um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, my first instinct is to, is to go with goals in some way or form. Uh, just the way in which these two teams play, as your introduction suggested. Um, from a Tottenham perspective, um, you know, the North London derby didn't let us down at all. Um, it was exactly the kind of match we anticipated it would be. And, you know, I was very impressed with, with Spurs, like we all probably were. Um, they have had a, a relatively soft start to the campaign, uh, but uh, that was their first big, big test. And I thought they overcame it brilliantly after what was a difficult start to the game as well. Um, just a, a sea change to sort of previous regimes going to Arsenal and showing character and bravery, um, you know, when uh, we're needing to. And, um, you know, it's all down to Postacoglu, uh, Uncle Ange and his, his culture work, his, his work on the mindset, the belief in, in those players. You could see it. You know they just uh, they just stand ten feet tall uh, playing for Anthony and it's um it's really impressive to see. You know they're inviting the press, passing around it, regardless of where they are on the pitch and um, regardless of the the position of the game at the time. And you know there were times in the first half where I thought Arsenal could have really punished them and made hurt them quite quite badly, but uh, they stuck to their guns and um you know it all looked very rosy in the second half. Um, they showed plenty of intent and I really enjoyed their performance and uh, especially the character, as I say. But um, yeah, even if you sort of look at those, look at that match in isolation, look at the goals in isolation, they were quite unfortunate. You know, you've got that own goal, the deflection, and then the penalty, which I, I know some people are sort of debating. I think it was a definite penalty, but, um, you know, take an own goal and a penalty out of the equation and, and Spurs competed pretty well for the 90 minutes. So, you know, Basuma and Saar have been superb in, in the middle. Madison's clearly enjoying himself. I think Brennan Johnson will get better and better uh, the more he sort of adjusts to life at a big six club as well. So I think there is a lot to like about Spurs, uh, but this is going to be a really fascinating uh, litmus test, if you like, um, against the Liverpool team, who I don't think are the finished article themselves right now, but uh, they are sort of uh, churning out some very strong results. They're going through their own rebuild, their own transition, especially in that midfield. And we saw against West Ham last weekend that whilst they're still creating bucket loads of chances, as you would imagine, with that firepower at their disposal, they still have that soft centre. They still are quite vulnerable defensively. Uh, West Ham had opportunity to score a couple of goals in the first half at Anfield. Uh, a great save from Allison and a poor finish yeah. from um uh Mikel Antonio um you know they could have easily scored twice in that first half but uh you know going forward uh there's a lot to fear about this Liverpool team and even that midfield I think is starting to grow into itself uh, McAllister Shobosly in particular Curtis Jones look a lot more steady now um Sobosly's so... goal against Leicester was classic Sobosly wasn't it absolute yeah. rocket yes yeah yeah and hopefully we'll see more of that because um 
I wouldn't say it's what he's been sort of renowned for, but it certainly is a key part of his game, you know, the long range shooting and the ability from set pieces. So uh, Liverpool won't be intimidated by Spurs and, and what Tottenham have achieved so far this season at all. They'll fancy their chances. So, yeah, I'm expecting goals. I'm expecting entertainment. Um, kind of happy to overlook the 1x2 and, and the handicap markets in this game, just because I can sort of make a case for both, really. And I think Liverpool are deserved favourites in this fixture. But um, I still have that question mark about their ability to go away to 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 big clubs, big venues, and get results at shortish prices. So goals seems the obvious solution here to me. Um, and over over three and a half goals is is just over evens. It's, it's still quite tight. But five of Liverpool's first six have seen BTTS. Four of Spurs's first six have seen BTTS, and, and over three and a half goals has landed in uh, half of each of the two teams' opening six fixtures as well. So I think another two two could be on the cards. A three one either way wouldn't hugely be surprising either. Spurs have scored at least twice in all six games under Postecoglou and Liverpool have scored twice or more themselves in five of their opening six. So looks goal heavy to me. Um, it will form the first part of a double in the Premier League for me on Saturday, uh, which I will reveal a little bit later. Oh, you tease, Mark O'Hare, you tease. Trader, tipster and 2017's Basket Weaver of the Year, Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again. Congratulations on that, Emmett, by the way. I should have mentioned that way before now. Uh, Emmett, are you surprised by just how quickly Spurs have been able to move on after Harry Kane? Because, of course, 30 goals last season from him, you'd think that would leave a big hole. But actually, they're getting goals from all over the place. Yeah, exactly. I'm. I, I as listen. I'll, I'll put my hands up here. I was kind of very negative on Spurs in our kind of preseason preseason podcast. But part of that reasoning was I was hoping, as it, if you're kind of taking on Spurs, that they kept Harry Kane because my feeling was that that the the Postecoglou style of football was a kind of a high energy, high pressing style that was more suited to kind of a younger group of players. And actually, having Kane there, who's not the most mobile, and with him and Son playing the front three, who are both kind of kind of near, probably post post their absolute best best form, I, I think was kind of a bit of a recipe for disaster. So I think Tottenham actually got rid of Kane at exactly the right time. And I kind of, I, I think some, yeah, like I'm, I'm not surprised in that sense that they've been better without him. Because I, I sometimes think people, I think the average probably fan thinks, looks at a player's goal totals and thinks, just it's it's a bit like that money ball that that money ball scene like where they where they kind of get, get rid of one player and you're kind of you're not replacing the one player's runs with with just one player you're using a number of players to kind of to, 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 to contribute to what that player has been missing and we've seen that from Spurs that while they don't have a centre forwards of Kane's quality in an overall sense I think I think their their attack is better and 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 kind of more dynamic um and I think I kind of underestimate as well what kind of how much a kind of a good manager can really improve players like last season you would have thought Ibasum was one of the worst signings in the Premier League. I think that's I think like under Conte, like he was a bit part player and he was playing behind the likes of Oliver Skip, like in 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 Tottenham's midfield this year. He looks like, like if you're picking a team of the year through six games, he'd probably be in it. Um, like James Madison again, who I questioned the summer has looked phenomenal. I think the hopefully he's kind of he recovered from the knock he got last week, but I think he's the kind of the straw that stirs stirs the drink in their attack, and he's been and, and he's and, he, and he's yeah. Like, well, I've nothing... not heard that one before. Yeah. Straw all that stirs the drink in their attack. I like that very much. Yeah, nothing. Well, I think again, like the, I feel like at the moment, 
everything everything's clicking and kind of Postacoglu's max max maxing out their their ability in attack. The only thing I'd say is they have been a little bit lucky with the goals they conceded. They've only conceded seven goals this season against a relatively weak schedule and on XG that, that, that it says they should have conceded closer to ten. Part of that is, to be fair, I think I think that they have upgraded a goalkeeper. I think the I think we, we we've seen in the past that Hugo Lloris, as much as he was a kind of a good player for Spurs over a number of years, he had declined, and I think kind of the. I think we've seen we've seen improvement as a as a result this season. Moving on to this game, as as kind of Mark said, I think it's impossible not to see a high scoring game. Liverpool have a more potent attack by expected goals than Man City and Brighton this season. Like it's kind of it must be a tough thing for a centre half if you've had sixty minutes playing Salah playing Salah, Diaz and, and kind of Nunez and then you've got a Gakbo, Yata and, and, and other kind of attacking players that Liverpool can bring on. They carry a threat for 100 minutes wherever, this, wherever the game lasts. Liverpool will, will, will kind of car, carry a massive threat and even if Spurs go 1-0, 2-0 up, it kind of, you. All, I always feel with Liverpool and just their attacking options and their depth that they'll always have a spell and they'll always be really, really dangerous. A perfect example that was earlier in the season against Wolves when the Liverpool are Wolves wiped the floor at Liverpool for the first half. Yeah. But, but when the game turned, you just always felt the goals were coming for Liverpool. Um, in terms of an angle for this game, just both teams to score and the over-goal lines are so short that I couldn't really get involved in that. The angle I do like, though, is is Darwin Nunez to score. I think we kind of spoke about this in the preseason pod. Nunez, listeners might be surprised to hear if they didn't see it. He was third in the betting for Premier League top scorer. And the reason for that is, even though he only scored nine league goals last season, the reason for that is he the third highest and uh, non-penalty expected goals last season behind Callum Wilson and Erling Haaland. Uh, but he was just missing, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he, he was missing a huge percentage of those chances. And the statistical theory is that there's a, there's a lot of kind of randomness in in in, in goal score finishing. And, and these t- things tend to regress from year to year. So Nunez would have scored 26 goals at Benfica the previous season when he was finishing his chances. And I think probably the, the markets were suggesting that this season with a bit of luck, Nunez, more of those chances will go in for Nunez. I think we probably saw the catalyst for that, hopefully, against Newcastle when, he, when he, we got the two goals coming on as a substitute. Since then, in two starts, he scored a goal in each game and looked really dangerous, had two shots on target in each match. I think we're probably... We're, we're, I think we're looking at a Nunez who might get close. I think probably up to the kind of twenty league goal to, to, tally if he stays fit, and I, at a price of around thirteen to eight. I think he's well, well worth backing to score. And the data doctor is back in his practice with the XG robots poised and ready. Jake Osgathorpe with us once again. Jake, process wise, what have you made of both teams so far? Because as Emmett says, Spurs have been able to diversify that attack, haven't they? It's not just all about Harry Kane anymore. You recreated him in the aggregate. That's the quote that <laughs> Emmett was going for from Moneyball. Um, yeah, they, they are a really fun team to follow. Um, I don't think it's going to be sustainable over the course of the season. I don't think we're going to see them, you know, finishing the top four with ease. I think if they are to do it, it will still be a struggle just because they are conceding quite a lot of good chances still. Um, you know, they, they play in, you know, we talk about um, like teams like Everton or, uh, maybe Sheffield United are playing like low variance games where they try and keep things tight and eke out a one nil. Spurs are the opposite. They play in the high air variance where you know that one game they could go out and do Burnley five two. The next game they might be on the on the receiving end of such a, get, a result because they are giving up and conceding chances at a similar kind of rate. So they are they're generating two point one xg and conceding one point six xg per game. So 
they are giving their opponents chances no matter who they're playing against. And that's kind of what we saw in those two games um, so far this season against good teams. Uh, I'm putting Manchester United in the category of a good team for this argument. I know they've had their issues, but... For now. <laughs> they, they went to Spurs and they created two and a half expected goals uh, and Spurs created two and a half as well. So that game could have been any score depending on uh, timings of the goals, depending on which team had the finishing boots on on, on that specific day. Um, and then obviously with Arsenal, it was the same. It was 2.3 to Arsenal, 2.2 to Spurs. So you've seen consistently when they play against the good teams, just play against any team so far this season, creating chances, but also giving up chances. And, and that, that to me, that I don't, I don't think that they're going to be, be able to pick up wins uh, at a high enough rate to be able to coast into top four Champions League football. Um, if they are to do it, like I said, I think it'll be a little bit of a struggle come the end of the season. Um, they might end up missing out That'd be a major a achievement though, right? Even if it was oh, yeah. a struggle and they were to really scrap their way in, for them to finish, I mean, you might, fifth might be enough, as we know, given yes, the new true, yeah. format of the Champions League for next season. But even top five feels quite impressive, given it's a new manager, new style, some new players, no Kane. Even if it is a struggle, that's a hell of an achievement, right? 100%, yeah. Especially when you look at the likes of Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal, who've all spent a lot of money this summer um, to to kind of improve and close the gap on Man City. And yes, Spurs have been out there and spent the money, but from the net spend is not actually that high because of obviously the sale of Kane would be a huge achievement. And I think more importantly for Spurs fans, for neutrals, they're fun to watch. Yes. They are fun to watch again. You know, it, results are one thing and everyone knows it's a results-based business. But if you turn, I'm, we, you know, our producer's a Spurs fan. If you speak to him, it, if 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 you gave him um, a top four season playing drab football, winning the occasional winning one nils and two ones, or uh, maybe a top six season where it's really entertaining, it's end to end, they're creating loads of chances, it's fun to go and watch, you're excited to watch your team. Um, I think they'd much rather take the latter. Just, yeah, I mean, I personally would. I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, so we don't have any of these conversations anyway. Um, but yeah, going into this game, I do worry for you Spurs take a little bit. <laughs> 17th, I would take 21st, Kev. Um, <laughs> absolutely. It's not going to happen. But um, yeah, in this game, I'm on board with the guys. I think goals is absolutely the way to go. Uh, Liverpool, as Emmett said, they, they, they're they also conceding chances, but not at a higher rate as, as Spurs. They're at 1.3 expected goals against per game, but they're also creating 0.4 XG more per game than what Tottenham have uh, so far this season. So as, as he said, their attack is absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, I do just wonder if, you know, my, my bet in this is going to be over 3.25 goals, uh, which is the, where you know, the line currently on the exchange is set at three, but I'm just going to go underneath it, take three and a quarter, uh, which is half a bet on over three, half a bet on over three and a half. So if there's four goals, we get a full payout. If there's three goals, we get a half loss. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would not be surprised if Liverpool went to Spurs and did a number on them because I think this the Liverpool team are the most ruthless side in the division um, if you give them a sniff. I think we've seen it in, in spells in every single game this season, even at the start, even the first game against Chelsea. They were rampant that first 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, they nearly went 2-0 up. Salah had the goal chalked off for offside. If that ends two, if that goes 2-0, that could have been any score that you would that you could wish for. And and they have been a bit like that this season, especially away from home, been a little bit patchy with the performances, turning it on against Wolves, they turn it on for 45 minutes. Against Newcastle, they turn it on for 20 minutes when they were down to 10 men. Uh, that's all they require. They only require one spell a game and they completely blow you away. And I just think that this Spurs high press, the way in which Liverpool have got 
good ball playing midfielders now in Soboslai and McAllister who kind of, they can break the press a little bit with either dribbles or with passes. We know McAllister was excellent at it at Brighton. He just used to ghost pass players when they were pressing him. That could be really crucial for Liverpool advancing the ball up the pitch very quickly. And we know Spurs like to play with a high line now. I think that they could get caught out a few times. Um, so if I was to have a bet in the 1x2, I would be looking at Liverpool. But I'm just going to enjoy the game, back goals, um, and I'd be shocked if there weren't at least three goals. Yeah, sounds like an absolute cracker. And it's worth bearing in mind, by the way, you can get a free bet when you place a £5 bet builder on Spurs against Liverpool. Opt-in required. Maximum free bet varies from £1 to £5 per customer. Minimum combined odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus be gambleaware.org. Mark, now the big reveal. You wanted to combine Spurs Liverpool with something else. What was that something else? Yeah, well, you can back both teams to score in uh, Tottenham versus Liverpool, uh, which is the evening kickoff live on television with the uh, first game of the day, which is live on television, Aston Villa versus Brighton. And back both teams to score in a double. You'll get an even money shot there. And that, for me, is really quite attractive because, um, you know, similarly to the Spurs versus Liverpool, I think Aston Villa versus Brighton could be really exciting and really entertaining. Um, We've got two teams, uh, two coaches, which are going places, uh, two clubs going in the right direction. Um, we made the point last week about Chelsea in the calendar year table, which was well documented. Um, if you look at the same metric, Man City are, are well clear of the pack uh, in 2023, having earned 71 points. The next four teams in terms of points earned are Arsenal, 55, Liverpool, 55, Aston Villa, 55, and Brighton, 53. So these two teams are basically performing like a top four team in 2023. Uh, And that's what makes this so interesting to me. You've got two form teams, an obvious kind of clash of styles to a certain degree, uh, two very tactically astute sides, uh, neither of which are flawless by any stretch. But I think both have the weapons to cause plenty of trouble to the opposition side. Um, And also there's that kind of clear and consistent ideology, that mindset of both clubs, they're ambitious. Uh, They are kind of heading in an upward trajectory too. So, you know, there's a chance that top five in the Premier League qualifies for the Champions League this season. With Chelsea and Man United kind of ailing a little bit at the minute, there might be an opportunity for a Spurs, for a a Villa, for a Brighton to sneak in there if they can sustain these kind of uh, 2023 figures. So, um, again, I'm quite happy to kind of leave the 1x2 and and handicap markets alone. Although I did look at Brighton plus a quarter as a as a potential in this fixture. Um, I just think back goals. Um, just on Brighton, actually, quick quiz for all of you. Uh, Brighton became the first non-Big Six team since who to win five of their first six league games in the Premier League campaign? 2005-2006 was the last time it happened. Oh, first non-Big Six team. I'm going to pass it's on hard, to the experts. It's, it's hardly Phil Brown's Hall, is it? No, good guess. Oh, okay. um, Charlton Athletic, yes. Ah, no, Jake. you got that. Yeah, so that's quite a stat. They're the also Kirby the top goal... <laughs> Yeah. Was that the year where the... Charlton finished seventh, Mark, and then got delusions of grandeur and thought they should start, you know, yeah. really pushing on? Was I don't know year? for certain, but I would, I would yeah, hazard a guess. That might be the year where it all started to go wrong, actually. Darren Bent up front. Was Marcus Bent up front with him as well? <laughs> You're testing the knowledge now <laughs> Mark a little bit. didn't expect this. Mark <laughs> yeah, mastermind back to you, Mark. hurled at him. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, Mark, why don't you know? Why don't you know these things? <laughs> what did Kerbishley have for breakfast on August 28th <laughs> that season? Yeah. 
Well, just on Brighton, we talk about them week in, week out, don't we? Their, their XG figures are, are better than Manchester City since Deserby came in. And uh, and what's extraordinary about that is Deserby was appointed. Just say that again. What a mad sentence. Say that again. Uh, I don't know. Brighton's the, the, expected the goals out. Brighton's XG is better than Manchester City since Deserby took over. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. And that's not just a flash in the pan. Deserby was appointed last September. So. You know, it's 12 months now, but they've been churning out these extraordinary XG figures. They are the top goal scorers in the league already this season. Uh, it's just astonishing, really. So we know how they'll play. We know how they'll attack this fixture. They've played 18 games away in the Premier League under De Zerbi. Those games have averaged 3.78 goals. 15 of 18 went over two and a half. 11 went over three and a half. BTTS has landed in 11 of those. Uh, sorry, 15 of those. Uh, Brighton have scored twice or more themselves in 11 of those 18. They've also conceded twice or more in 12 games from those 18 away as well. So we know all about Bryson, but Villa at uh, Villa Park under Emery have been so strong as well. Nine consecutive Premier League wins now. They also beat Brighton here 2-1 at the back end of last season. At home under Emery, they're averaging 2.13 goals per game. Uh, in 11 of those 15 games went over. Nine of them also saw BTTS. Um, so, you know, you look at their two fixtures here already this season, they've uh, ended in 3-1 and 4-0. So, you know, I think uh, goals will be the order of the day again at Villa Park. And, uh, yeah, quite eager to back both teams to score in a double uh, because I think, uh, you know, Brighton, you must guarantee goals at both ends. But uh, as we already outlined, the Spurs-Liverpool game should be uh, tremendous fun. And Jake, you wanted to talk about Villa Brighton as well, right? Yeah, just similar kind of bet, really. Just backing goals. Um, over three is a goal line. I'm I'm happy to take 1.75 on the exchange. Um, you know, Villa, the games against the two good teams they played, they got absolutely dismantled, didn't they? 5-1 to Newcastle, 3-0 to Liverpool. Um, yeah, the only time that they've actually seen a game go under the goal line that we require was against Chelsea last time. I think that's more to do with Chelsea. The fact that they are much more of a controlling team in the way that, in the way they like to play. Um, and Brighton are just mental, just in general. Like they, they, they again, suffered. You're using those technical XG terms again. Yeah, just for you, Kev, bringing them all out today. Yeah, um, exactly. yeah, they, they are just proper mental. Um, they've 2.4 XG per game this season, 1.8 expected goals against per game. So just bonkers at both ends of the pitch. Um, and every single of their game they play in the league has seen both teams score and at least over three and a half goals. Um, so yeah, be absolutely shocked if this doesn't go over the three goal line that we require. Obviously, three exactly, we get our money back. Um, and yeah, th these two teams, it comes at an interesting time. Both played and lost in midweek Carabao. Both play in the Europa um, League and Conference League next Thursday, and both lost the first games in their group stage as well. So yeah. as much as this is a big game for both, they've also got a big game coming up. So interesting to see what the what the the lineups will be. Either way, I'd be shocked if we don't see goals again. Uh, Brighton seemed a little bit overexcited against AEK Athens in that first Europa League game, but I think they'll get there in the end. Let's head to the championship. Huddersfield have recently partied company with Neil Warnock. They face an Ipswich side that is absolutely flying, as you guys, I think, pre-season said they would. Emmett, uh, what have you got for us? Yeah, no... Uh... No prizes for, for for guessing here. Ipswich have been as kind of probably better than even than I think probably the like of Marco Hare would have expected in in the preseason. Like winning seven of their first eight matches to sit joint top of the championship with Leicester. Their XG figures suggested that suggesting that's far from a false position. And again, as I think probably Mark alluded to in preseason, the biggest worry for Ipswich is probably is a club like maybe 
West Ham or kind of or or, or maybe maybe Crystal Palace, some club of that ilk coming in for Kieran McKenna because I think he's he's established himself as clearly the most promising coach in in the football league. Um, and I think every everything points to them being kind of probably I think better than their odds indicate in this match. Huddersfield looked like a, a kind of a, a relegation contender, and I guess you're always slightly fearful of of the kind of new manager bounce with Darren Moore coming in. The price just over evens and Ipswich to me is is is, is too much. It's too good to turn down given the golfing class between the two sides. Now injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets, and now you've got ninety minute payouts. To rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result. As it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. Handy FAQ section on our website, betting.betfair.com. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. Bournemouth still looking for that elusive first league win under Andoni Iraiola. They face Arsenal. Jake, it's not quite happening for Bournemouth yet. And you just feel like... It's got to start happening if Iriola is really going to bring all of those players with him because he's asking them to do something they simply weren't doing under Gary O'Neill last season. Yeah, um, I do feel that it's one of those where the results aren't very good, but we have to factor in the schedule that Bournemouth have faced to start the season. Um, I think it, it obviously doesn't get any easier to play Arsenal this weekend, but West Ham at home... Who I think will be a top ten team this season. Liverpool, Spurs, Brentford, who were top ten last season. Chelsea and Brighton to open the season. Um, obviously, Chelsea not what we thought they might be, but still, it's it's a big still a team. Good side though, still good um, players. Good yeah. players, uh, a very well drilled, um, you know, defense and midfield at the moment. Um, so yeah, I do do definitely give him a pass so far, but that will only last for so long, as you mentioned. You know, they've 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 got a much kinder looking schedule coming up after this Arsenal game where. We will judge Iraola then. Everton, Wolves, Burnley um, in three in a row before they play City and Newcastle, um, which yeah follows a little bit of a respite again. But th- those those first six games aren't, or first seven if you include this, aren't what we're going to judge him on, really. Uh, maybe next season if he's still there and Bournemouth survive, we will judge him on games against West Ham, games against Brentford um, to see you know that's the kind of um, direction they want to travel in. But um, yeah, so far it hasn't really clicked for them. Um, there's been a lot of turnover in players, as you said, big change in style and systems as well, um, which has definitely halted things. And they've just been exposed against good attacking teams. And that that's one thing that I, I, I doubt at the moment about Arsenal uh, heading into this game is that their injuries that they're picking up, um, I, I'm not sure if they they will frighten Bournemouth as much as teams that they played like the Brightons, like the Liverpools, they just won't have that same kind of impact. Um, you know, Saka's touch and go, Martinelli's out. Obviously, Declan Rice could be a huge miss. Just at the, I know he's not an attacking player, but he kind of t- knits things together. Does that mean Jorginho has to come in? We saw the mistake he made last week. So I've got issues um, and potential nagging doubts about Arsenal. But what we do know about Arsenal, especially away from home, is that they've become a very, very strong t- side when travelling. The results on the road um, since the start of last season are the best in the league. No one has done any, uh, has, has put up better um, away figures than Arsenal. They've won 14 of 21 away from home, which is a That's really wild, impressive... That's wild, isn't it? That's a, yeah. it's a really impressive figure. And it's complete contrast to what, like a few years ago, where they were just, they just look bottleless away from home. They do exactly the opposite. Um, but there is a, there is a little, uh, you know, caveat to that is that a lot of those games have been very narrow margins 
granted three points is three points, but is that going to be sustainable if they continue to try and grind out one nil away wins? Um, probably is not. Is there an but... art to that though? Do you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Jake. I was I was thinking this myself actually after the one nil win at Everton, and I wondered. You might look at all those and think, ah, well, they're scraping wins. But is there an art to that? Is there a is there an art to actually managing a game where, yeah, you're not blowing teams away. Obviously, you prefer to do that. But actually, once you get in a good position, kind of tiptoeing your way through to the finish line, there's something to be said for that, isn't there? There is, yeah. But, um, you know, some of the games that, that Arsenal went away and won by a single goal, they were probably deserving of winning by more. Some of the games that they went, uh, like the Everton one, for example, it was just a Trossard strike from out of nowhere that won it 1-0. Otherwise, that game was definitely ending 0-0 because they really struggled to carve out chances. Um, what, what it tells me is that they do take a more defensive approach when when travelling in the sense that they are trying to, at the very least, keep a clean sheet. So if you, you know, if you keep a clean sheet, you're not going to lose the game. Um, and any points away from home is going to be good come the end of the season. Um, and that's why the bet I'm going for is, is under so we've had overs in the in the other two games we've talked about so far. This to me looks like a good price to buy under three goals, uh, even money on the exchange. So exactly three goals, you get your money back. Zero, one or two, we get a winner. Um, it's actually landed in, uh, it's paid out as a winner in 12 of Arsenal's 21 away games since the start of last season. It's only lost six times. So, um, you know, it's pushed on the other three. Um, so yes, it's got a decent strike rate and... As I've said, they keep generally keep a lot of clean sheets. They've kept two clean sheets in their away matches so far this season. Conceded a combined 1.4 expected goals at Crystal Palace and Everton. Um, and Bournemouth, for whatever reason, just haven't got it going at home. They've not they've scored in one one home game this season. Granted, they have had a tough schedule, but it doesn't get any easier. Um, generating just 1.1 expected goal four per game. So I can see this being a little bit of a war of attrition. Um, I think it's a case of can Arsenal grind Bournemouth down and, and nick a goal? Um, or the other way around. I wouldn't be surprised if Bournemouth got a result. Um, I think Bournemouth are plus one on the handicap at the minute. And I think given Arsenal's issues, I would be having a look at that as well. To League Two and Wrexham's Hollywood glamour train rumbles on as they face Crew. There was a story uh, where there was uh, an American fan of Wrexham who has uh, very much fallen in love with the club recently who uh, travelled to see their game against Stockport all the way from America only to see them lose 5-0. Welcome to British football there. Uh, Mark, what about this game against Crew? Is this going to thrill the Wrexham global community or not? Yeah, it should do. Um, we said pre-season that League Two will be the, the funnest of all three EFL divisions. And so far, that has proven to be the case. If you look at the goals per game. Is that what we're going with? That sounds quite American. Have you picked that up from watching American sport? Winning is no. the funnest. What, what, what should I call it? Uh, the most, most entertaining. Fun. The most fun, sorry. Yeah, poor English. Um play the role of schoolmaster here. Right? <laughs> Carry on. Carry Apologies. On. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been it's been great fun um in terms of goals per game output. And and Wrexham and Crew have definitely contributed to that. Uh, they're both both of their sets of games have been um incredibly goal heavy. Um both Wrexham and Crew have each scored at least twice in five of their first nine games. They've also only failed to score once each in those nine games, too. And if you look at the, the defensive stats as well, Wrexham have conceded twice or more four times already and Crew have conceded twice or more five times. They've combined to keep just two clean sheets between them this season. You, you mentioned that 5-0 shellacking at Stockport that Wrexham took last week. Well, they're back at the racecourse ground this weekend and, and this is where matches tend to be just 
utterly bonkers. We talk about Brighton's games being off the charts. Well, Wrexham this season at the racecourse grounds, we've had a, a 2-1, a 3-0, a 4-2, a 3-5 and a 5-5. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they'll be expecting to score at least twice here. But you just can't rule Crew out because they're playing very much a front foot game at the minute and they're looking really good on the eye. They're contributing immensely. Their away games have ended 2-2, 2-2, 4-1 and 1-0. Um, but yeah, across their nine fixtures so far, eight of them have gone over two and a half goals. Seven have gone over three and a half goals. And BTTS has landed in eight of those nine as well. So if you look at both teams in terms of their underlying metrics as well, we're seeing XG figures uh, which exceed the, the 2.9 mark per game for both sides as well, which again suggests that matches tend to be quite open, expansive and quite entertaining as well. So yeah, supporting a goal-heavy game here between... Wrexham and crew over two and a half goals and BTTS is 10 to 11, 1.91. If you want to be a little bit more ambitious after hearing those uh, final score lines for both sides, you can back both teams to score two goals or more, which comes in at 21 to five on the sportsbook. Lovely. That sounds like the kind of thing Stinch would normally recommend, that kind of uh, crazy bet. Uh, if I told you, by the way, that a game involving Girona and Real Madrid would feature Spain's league leaders you might think I'd be talking about the famous visitors. Emmett O'Keefe, that would be wrong. Absolutely. I was kind of, I think, yeah, I was I, I was surprised to look, look at kind of looking through Girona's figures and kind of the, obviously they're maybe running hot a little bit versus the XG, but there are, but their underlying numbers are, are quite strong. And like they've kind of, in a kind of a not traditionally in, in, in recent years, La Liga has been one of the lowest scoring kind of leagues of all of of of, of Europe's top five leagues. And Girona matches this season through seven games are averaging three point seven goals per match. Um, and I think and they, they've they actually their last three matches have 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 uh, have included seventeen goals, and Girona have won all three matches. I think and they kind of so I think all. All signs from, from Girona point to a high-scoring game, and similarly from Real Madrid, I think they're supposed to be well aware of kind of how potent Real attack Real have with the likes of Jude Bellingham, Vinicius Junior, Rodrigo, etc. But the, you and up a treat in midweek by uh, resting Bellingham. I had him to score in my uh, betting.betfair.com recommendation, and there he was, sat on the bench for the entire time. Very hope, yeah, hopefully he's saving, uh, saving all his goals for for this weekend. <laughs> I'm hoping the and I think what Real actually again they they've been quite a, even though they've they've um they could see the relatively no low, low number of goals this season, but by kind of expected goals, their defense is kind of sitting close to mid table, so that they they have they have been quite open. So I think all. All the all all the indicators really point to this being a high scoring game. If if you if you're just kind of a sports book punter, I'd probably look at both teams scoring over two and a half goals, which is around one point eight. But if you're betting on the exchange, I'd look at probably three goals on 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 the kind of on, on, on the Asian goal line at kind of odds against. So if, if if there are three goals in the game, you kind of get your money back. But if if there's more than that, um, you you win the bet. I think this. I think I think this be this, this should be a really entertaining game, and I'm, 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 I think probably maybe the market hasn't hasn't caught up to qu- quite how much of a helter skelter team Girona are. I mean, Girona have done a. Can I just um, just make a point? Um, I'm stealing a, a tweet from Phil Kitrabalides, who is a, a La Liga TV presenter, yes. but he made a, a tweet on Thursday morning about Girona and their sort of historic rise to the top of the table. What's made it even more incredible as he's put it, is uh, from last season, they have lost their top goal scorer, their central defensive midfield linchpin, Romeo, who's gone to Barcelona, their best yeah. winger and their best centre-half. So uh, what Michelle's done there is absolutely astonishing. So yeah. uh, let's hope it carries on. But uh, there was also a theory really around um, 
Girona being one of the sort of satellite clubs owned by the same uh, ownership as Manchester City. And that's kind of Im- embedded a, a certain style of play, but also allows them to play with a bit more freedom uh, because they do have that kind of financial yes. backing behind the club. So, um, yeah, they've been really great fun to follow. Um, I think if we go back to last season, we featured them quite often in terms of goal-heavy games for, for La Liga. So good to see it's carrying on and great to see the results are, are sort of bearing fruit too. To the German Bundesliga, I reckon Bayern are two shorts at just shy of evens to win at RB Leipzig this weekend. Bayern have already been smashed 3-0 by Leipzig in the Super Cup. They have a host of injury doubts ahead of this game. Leipzig have won their last two meetings with Bayern. They've got a terrific home record under Marco Rosa since he got there. I think they can at least avoid defeats. Bayern had uh, three, maybe four actually, uh, centre-backs out in midweek and had to play Nusea Mazraoui and Leon Goretzka as their centre-back pairing. And they also lost Serge Gnabry to a broken arm. Mark, you want to take a look at Union Berlin? They've lost their last four matches in all competitions. They have never lost five in a row under Urs Fischer. Will it happen this weekend? Uh, I don't think it will. Um, they're going to Heidenheim. It's certainly not a, a straightforward fixture, but the way in which Heidenheim have defended so far this season, uh, since their promotion, their debut campaign in the Bundesliga, Union should be scoring here at least one, possibly a couple. Um, we've talked about the Bundesliga week on week being the place to be for goals in main, Major League Europe. Um, that's certainly still been the case. We're operating at a, a 73% success rate for over two and a half goals selections across the league um, and Heidenheim have definitely been amongst the goals. Uh, one win, one draw, three defeats in their first five. They've considered 13 goals. Uh, all five of their opponents have scored at least twice and that's not a huge surprise when you consider four of those five opponents um, generated an expected goals tally of at least 2.95. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, they're basically giving up three expected goals per game on average uh, across the league so far. They have managed to score, though, in four of those five games. They've scored twice or more in three of those five. Uh, they scored away at Leverkusen last weekend. Uh, they scored twice against Dortmund and have looked a good threat from set pieces. If you look at their home fixtures, too, um, they were beaten uh, 3-2 by Hoffenheim uh, before beating uh, Bremen 4-2. So, you know, ding-dong battles, goals everywhere, cannot defend, but do look a menace whenever they get an opportunity. Uh, and Union have been quite erratic, really. You mentioned the, the losing streak, um, slightly harsh with a, a trip to the Bernabeu in there, but um, they have lost three on the spin in the league and they've shipped multiple goals in each of those. Um, just kind of come as a, a bit of a surprise, really, considering how they started with back-to-back 4-1 wins. Um, so, yeah, four of their first five games have now gone over two and a half goals. Uh, away from home, they've managed just five clean sheets in 19, going back to the start of last season. They have scored themselves in 14 of those 19 as well. So, um, yeah, quite eager to support over two and a half goals in this fixture. It's 1.83, uh, a great price for a Bundesliga game, uh, even more so when you consider Heidenheim's first five games have averaged 4.73 expected goals per game. Yeah, it's interesting with Unio, and I think teams are starting to rope-a-dope them a little bit because they lost 2-1 of Wolfsburg. And in the second half, Wolfsburg just said, go on then, you have the ball, see what you can do. Couldn't really do enough with it. Hoffenheim did exactly the same to them last week. Made a really good start to the game and then said, okay, see what you can do. They're not used to having loads of possession. They don't really seem to like it. So it'll be interesting to see how they then adapt now that teams are starting to adapt to them. Let's zoom off to Italy. Mouthwatering clash between Milan and a Lazio side. It's made a really poor start to the season, despite their star goal-scoring goalkeeper 
Ivan Provadel. Uh, Emmett, is this a comfortable home win? It's weird with Lazio, right? Because they've already won at Napoli, but the rest of the games, they've looked a bit, yikes. Definitely, yeah. I think they, they were kind of a team we're looking at to take on coming into the season because they, they finished second in Serie A last year, but by the numbers, that they were in a really false position. They kind of outperformed their expected points by about like by, by around 15 points so there was probably they were always they were due a bit of regression and they lost kind of Milinkovic Savage in the summer um to to, to Saudi Arabia who, who got nine goals and eight assists last season in Serie A which one of the the highest totals for a midfielder and kind of I think Milan just look a really solid kind of Serie A contender outside of the, the battering they took from Inter They've kind of won five of their six matches. They outplayed a good Newcastle team who were probably pretty fortunate to get a point to the San Siro. And certainly Newcastle were celebrating it like they were kind of Dagobin Redbridge getting, a, getting an away point at a Premier League <laughs> club. Um, and the... And I think like I think Lazio on the other hand look a team that might be closer to kind of a sixth or seven sixth or seven place team this year. They kind of um they've only seven points from six games, average expected goals numbers. I think this this looks game to me that if it happens, if this game happens in kind of the middle of the season, we'll be getting a lot shorter price than AC Milan. You can get Milan at one eighty three here, which to me looks looks pretty big. I had them closer to maybe one sixty seven, so that, that definitely looks about. Didn't think the old daggers would get a men- mention on the podcast, but there we go. Uh, Newcastle against Burnley, Jake. Just a word on Burnley. All three of the promoted clubs are really, really struggling at the moment. Are you surprised Burnley have struggled as much as the others? Uh, yes, uh, I am surprised. I thought they would adapt to life a little bit quicker um, in the Premier League I- again. The same caveat to Bournemouth in the sense that they've had a very tough schedule to start the season. Um, Man City, Villa, Tottenham, Man United. And the only kind of game that they fancy the chance to get in something against was against Nottingham Forest away, which they ended up with a point. So, you know, there's every chance that they come into their own um, very soon and we start to see an improvement in results and performances. But it doesn't get any easier. Same as Bournemouth. It doesn't get any easier this weekend. They're playing against a, a Newcastle team who... Turned a massive corner. Um, you know, they, they too had a, a really tough schedule, tough run. Liverpool, City, Brighton, back to back to back. Um, they've come out the back of that really well now. One one nil win against Brentford. Obviously, that massive eight nil win uh, the weekend, which yeah, just got a little bit out of hand, really. But um, you know, I'm sure that will do the Newcastle attacking players the world of good. Some confidence, um, some goals, uh, and yeah, I, I'm not expecting it to be eight nil uh, this time around. But I, I think that this you is, and your bold um, predictions. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a comfortable home win. Um, I like Newcastle on the handicap minus one and a half is where the handicap line's set. We're getting one point nine four on the exchange. Um, just in general, Newcastle have been really good at home since the start of last season. Lost just three of twenty seven home games across all competitions. Um, came against Liverpool twice one in each season, and Arsenal obviously beat Man City in midweek. And you'd have to say, looking at the starting 11s, that City had a much stronger 11 out than Newcastle did. Um, and Newcastle still managed to get the job done. So for Newcastle, the back four was completely different. No Trippier, no Byrne, no Botman, no Shah. Um, The only players that you would expect to start really, uh, Pope, Tonali, Isak, and uh, Joe Linton, just coming back off an injury, so the reason why he was in there from the start. So it was a much-changed Newcastle team and they still managed to get a clean sheet, get the job done against the City side featuring Grealish, Alvarez, Kovacic, uh, back four of, uh, of Rico, Lewis, Akanji, Ake, Guardiola. So it's a good City team. 
Um, and yeah, uh, the process at home has been exceptional. Created loads of chances since the start of last season of two and two and a half expected goals four per game. Um, and yeah, I know they've got that little little look ahead game against PSG in the Champions League next week. But Burnley have an equally as big look ahead game against Luton in midweek. Um, so I've you know to me Newcastle have shown that they've got strength in depth with that victory against Man City. I thought that they did have the the strength in depth anyway. Um, I fancy them to beat Burnley quite comfortably. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a betting feature so famous that Jeff Goldblum's been messaging me all week demanding to know why Mark O'Hare has snubbed him for the leading role in the film of Mark's life. Mark was quite adamant on the show recently that Goldblum would not be involved in the project in any way, shape or form. Mark, any ideas on who should get the role instead? If you put the feelers out to any agents, who's going to take the role? Excellent. Okay, I'm looking forward to that very much. I might do my own shortlist as well. Uh, How this works is uh, each of the guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and then lovely traders like Emmett here wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. Who am I going to start with? Jake, I'll start with you. Okay, Um, we'll go with a game that I've not that we've not touched on, but I think is a decent value. And that's Crawley to beat Sutton at home. Um, you're getting about even money, maybe odds against. Won four or five at home so far this season. Crawley, they've won ten, uh, scored 10 times in the process. Uh, underlying data is steady, but it's more about who they're playing uh, as to why we want to be back in Crawley because Sutton have been utterly dreadful since they hammered now top of the table, Notts County on the opening day of the season. A proper freak result, if there was a freak result. Um, uh, they've lost seven and drawn once since. Uh, the draw last time out against MK Dons, a pinch of salt because I don't rate MK Dons that that highly at the moment. Their underlying data is really poor. Um, and they, yeah, they've lost all their away matches so far. I've sort of conceded over two expected goals in the process. So I like the look of a home win. Emmett, what have you got for us? Yeah, for all the reasons outlined, uh, I think Milan looked like banker material uh, home to Lazio. Lazio had a nice inclusion in the treble. Lovely. So we've had Crawley, we've had Milan. What destination will Mark O'Hare take us to? Just stay at home, I'll take over two and a half goals in, in Tottenham versus Liverpool. Lovely stuff. And now, now all of that other stuff is out of the way. I know what you wanted, and now you're going to get it. It's Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. Oh, aye. It's Scott Watch. Mark, take it away. Uh, yeah, Scottish Premiership this weekend. Uh, Ross County versus Hearts. Uh, the bet is both teams to score no, uh, BTTS no, which is 2.3, uh, a very big price when you hear about both teams. Uh, you might be able to get a bigger bet, a bigger price, I should say, on the exchange closer to kickoff. But realistically, I think anything above evens is, is worth a look in this match. Uh, the Premiership hasn't been the most goal heavy for, for quite some time, especially if you exclude the games involving the old firm. Uh, this season, just 39% of matches have seen both teams to score bank. Uh, Ross County and Hearts in particular have been involved in some real stinkers. Um, Ross County were beaten 4-2 by Celtic on the opening day. They've since seen results of 2-0, 0-2, 1-0, 1-1, 0-4. But then you've got Hearts, who are somehow in mid-table, having accumulated seven points from six games, despite failing to score in four of those six games. They've scored just four wow. goals. Um, <laughs> their How matches the hell have they that? Uh, yeah, basically two two nil wins. Uh, they won two nil, drew nil nil, lost one nil, lost one nil, won two nil, lost one nil. 
So they failed to score in four of six, but they have managed three clean sheets of their own. Uh, interestingly, none of those six matches came against the old firm. And the average expected goals output of those six games comes in at just 2.18. So pretty measly Ooh. stuff there. So in terms of the actual bet here, BTTS No has banked in four of Ross County's six as well as all six of Hearts matches so far. So that's 10 from 12, and we're getting 2.3 on a repeat. So that'll do for my Scottish best bet. Um, Culture Corner, I think it's time we travel up to the Scottish Highlands to visit Ross County, uh, a club that heralds from uh, the town of Dingwall, which is not too far at all from Inverness, who they share a, a healthy and friendly rivalry with. Uh, prior to sort of 94-95, they played in the Highland Football League, They've enjoyed real success since being admitted to the SPFL, uh, including the Scottish League Cup title in 2016. Nicknamed the Staggies, they've got a stag's head on their club badge, which has been inspired by the regimental badge of the Seaforth Highlanders, uh, which was the regiment which many of the locals fought and died for during the, the Great War. So uh, a nice kind of ode to history there. But um, in terms of the mascot, we all like mascot chat. Uh, they obviously have a stag as their mascot. And his name is Roscoe, which is a, a lovely little play on the club's name, obviously. Um, now, the Ross part of their name uh, comes from the area in which the club were founded in the 1920s. And their manager is, of course, Malky Mackay. Um, his appointment was understandably very controversial yes. after his sacking from Cardiff, where his reputation was totally tarnished with them. some very unsavoury stuff. Don't need to go into more of that. but um, no, Probably best not. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to end on that note. So I'll say if you are up and about the Scottish Highlands, uh, of course, visit Inverness, a beautiful city with a rich heritage and history. The surrounding areas are lovely. You'll probably see Ross County FC if you do travel north past Inverness. The football ground is adjacent to the main road. If you do travel north, you can see it quite clearly. And if you are in Dingwall, a big shout out to Dingwall's post office, because in 2021, Dingwall's post office was given the very illustrious award for being the UK's most improved delivery office of the year in the Royal <laughs> Mail Awards. Um, so, Which suggests it was quite bad previously. Yes. Yeah. Yes, most okay. improved. That's, that tends to be the way. So, yeah, yeah, a shout out to the the post office in Dingwall and a shout out to uh, Dingwall's Wikipedia page, which gave me that fan fascinating fact. Uh, I'll have to visit one day just to check it out. But yeah, fair play. That's Dingwall. That's Ross County. What were they doing before? Just throwing the letters in the river, setting fire to people's boxes? Who knows? Maybe they deliberately had an awful year just so they could improve. Lots of mysteries for us to solve. And maybe if you go up to Dingwall, you can solve them yourself. Now, sadly, all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of good preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. These shows now part of our brand new YouTube channel on Betfair for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. Link is in the description for you. We've, of course, got the Sunday show. Don't just be a dweeb and listen to the Saturday show. You have to go to the Sunday show to get the full set and to get our respect, quite frankly. From Jake, from Mark, from Emmett, and indeed from me, it's goodbye for